But anyway, I was, somebody sent me a word from Mario Morello. I like those kind of preachers. How many of you know who Mario is? You know, he's one of the old, you guys don't know, but he's an oldie, been around, you know, he's, he's like David Wilkerson. You ever heard of David Wilkerson? You ain't heard of him either. Yeah, you have. Okay, good. But he's just one of those holiness, you know, no, you know, no compromise type preachers that America needs right now like never before. But he wrote an article called The Bravest Christian in the World. And he was referring to those who are seeking and believing for real revival to break out in America. You know, those who really believe God's going to send a moral awakening, a spiritual reformation. And in the article, he's talking about how a lot of people think those people that believe that, you know, they've, they're not awake. Or maybe they, they hadn't been paying attention to what's going on. And then he challenges us with three things. He said, first of all, confess that God has done it before. Now, how many of you know God has done it before? He has sent revival many times to the nations. Psalm 44, we've heard with our ears, our fathers have told us the deeds that you did in their days. And then he said, keep asking for God to do it again. And Habakkuk reminds us, oh God, revive us again in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years, make it known. And then he said, sign up for danger. These are the three points in this article. Because revival is not going to be a pretty thing. It's going to be a little upheaval, you know. In fact, I'm finding that it's, uh, you know, there's a little war involved in it because the devil hates it more than anything. And he doesn't want the church in, in America to awaken. But then he said that we should live as if, you know, it's here and that God is in our midst. And I believe that. You know, people ask, they ask all the time, what is your vision? And, uh, you know, it's good. I do know what the Bible says a church should look like and Christians ought to act like. I mean, I know that. That's really where I get, try to get most of the vision. I try not to, you know, the download of what I remember growing up as a little boy and, you know, church ought to be and all this kind of stuff. I'm trying to get it from this. But if you want to know what my vision is, this is it right here. 24, I was 24 years old. Standing on the shore of Lake Pontchartrain. You know where that is, anybody? You know, it's just, it's in New Orleans. I was in seminary, and there was about five or seven of us gathered around the lake that day praying. And, and I, I didn't know what prophecy was. I didn't know what any of that. I didn't know hardly what the Holy Spirit was. You know, at that point, they didn't teach you those kind of things. And anyway, I was, we were standing praying, and I looked at those guys, and I said, you know, one day... One day, guys, we're going to be a part of the greatest revival America's ever known. And I'm telling you, it's been a few years come and gone since that. But that's my vision more than anything. That's what makes my heart burn. And I believe that we're going to see it again. How many of you would believe for that? I know it doesn't look like. I know things look the opposite. But we have a God that's going to wake up the church and, and shake this nation one more time. And God's going to do it for his name's sake. Not because we're anything, but because he's everything. Not because we can, but because he did. And that's where we're standing. Well, let's pray, and then I'll get into this word and see where God takes us this morning. Is everybody here that's here? Okay, good. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to check out. In fact, we don't let people check out. You, if you get up and walk out, we'll probably call you down. You know, no, I wouldn't do it. We, we don't do that. You may have somewhere to go, but, well, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. 
Lord, we boast in our weakness. We boast in our need of you. And we thank you when we are weak, you are strong. And so, God, we pray this morning that this atmosphere would be charged with the electricity of heaven. And, God, we pray that your word would go forth and that, God, the sound of the trumpet, that, Lord, we would hear all that you're saying, all that you're doing. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that you sent to be with us, to be in us, to be our teacher, to guide us into all truth. And so, Lord, we thank you for this hour that we're living. Lord, thank you for that word that Alex spoke. It really is. It's no more time to play. Lord, you're going to come and you're going to separate the sheep from the goat, the wheat from the tares, the righteous from the wicked. Lord, those that love you from those who really don't love you, those that, that have a real walk from those who were just a pretend walk. Lord, we thank you we're living in this hour of divine separation. But we thank you, God, that the greatest days to be a believer are right now, and they're upon us, and that we're made for this moment. And Lord, we thank you for all you've spoken and promised in the past, and that, God, not one word which you've spoken will fail. And we bless you for it. God, touch people. There are people that need miracles this morning. In this place, they're watching by web stream. We ask God for an invasion of the power of heaven. Lord, you got to back us up in this hour because we're willing. We're willing to step out on the limb. And we honor you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want you to go with me, if you would, to Psalm 11. Psalm 11. And we're going to pick up where we left off two weeks ago. We had a divine interruption with this missions. We didn't really call it a conference. We just called it a missions weekend. But Brother Hune really has a message for America. He was a prisoner uh, under communist China. And uh, he was with us the first night. But then Eugene Bach had really a timely word. I'll share a little bit more what he had to say because we need to know what he had to say. We need to be awake in this hour. You know, one of the first words God gave me when we, were, when we moved here, we uprooted our family. My mom, they just diagnosed her with Alzheimer's, and my dad needed our help big time, didn't he, Shirley? And, uh, but God called us to leave about that time. Our kids were small. Joshua was a baseball star. He had these teams, and everybody wanted him. It was really good. But we uprooted them, came to North Carolina. And, uh, but it hurt, didn't it? It hurt me. It hurt Josh. hurt Emily. I can't remember if you cried or not, but I cried. Josh cried. Shirley cried. And Emily was on for the ride. And uh, I think you, how old was Emily? I don't even know. Oh, but she cried too. But anyway, we made it here. And one of the first things God said to us is that we would be as the sons of Issachar, that we would have a discernment of the times in which we're living. And we would know what the church ought to do. How I many of you know that's in the Bible? The sons of Issachar. You know, they had an understanding of the times. And they knew what Israel ought to do. And we've really entered in some really serious times in America. And so we got to be ready. you got to be equipped. We can't have any more dropouts. you got to be willing and ready to run the race. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? So let's look now. We're going to read through, uh, we'll read the whole psalm. We actually started on this message two weeks ago. And we're going to finish it today, but I want to review. It says, In the Lord I put my trust. 
How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart, or secretly is in the darkness. In other words, the wicked are making plans in the darkness to shoot at the righteous. Okay, let's go on. And then in verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous. But the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, we talked about that. Fire and brimstone preaching. There's some folks think that's out of date. You know, you need to discard that. Don't listen to those guys. The only problem is, it's still in the Bible. It's still in the Bible. And so you have to leave out some of the word if you're going to skip that kind of preaching. And it says that that's, this shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. And the, the whole focus, the foundation of this is found in verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And that's what we want to talk about this morning, because there's a whole lot we can do. Now, in giving the church the Great Commission, Jesus instructed his disciples, he said, you go, baptize, teach, you know, teach them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And then what was that promise he made right at the end of that? He said, and lo, remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he meant that. How many of you know he meant it? It wasn't just something that he said. But he said, you go and teach them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Now, one of the things he commanded is found over in John 16. You don't have to turn there this morning. This is just to help us review and get caught up. And it's really where we're going to go over the next months, you know, because... There's something he wants us to be ready for, and we got to be built up. And the only thing you can, way you can be built up is not what man has to say, it's but what God has to say. That's why he said, go teach them all things I've commanded you. Not the things that are most interested to you, but the things that are on my heart. That's what the Lord said. And in John 16, he said, these things he had spoken to them, so that when the time comes, two things. Number one, they would remember. How many of you know we're forgetful people? We forget things that he told us, things that other people told us, things your wife told you. You forget. I forget all the time. We're forgetful people. And that's why Jesus used repetition. He, he spoke things in many different ways, but he said a lot of the same things over and over. So number one, he said, the things I've spoken to you, remember, so that when the time comes. Then he also said that you would not be made to stumble. Say stumble. How many of you remember what that means? It means to be offended. Many believers are going to be offended in this hour for various reasons. And it means to fall away. How many of you know that's also going to happen in this hour? There's going to be a great falling away. I wonder why he called it a great falling away. Because it's going to be great. So he said, remember, and he said, so that you would not stumble. Now, we've really entered times, and the reason I said that 
is because if you were here last Sunday and you heard Eugene Bach share about China, he's from China, you would know it's the times that are not coming, they're times that are already here. He shared with us about the, what do they call the China social credit system. I knew a little bit about that. In fact, we've talked a little bit about it here. I had no idea it was to the degree that it is going on. Everybody in China receives a credit score. They've all got cell phones. They have the technology. They're listening to everything you say. They know everywhere you go. They know every purchase you make. If you say anything that questions the government, you get a low score. Now, if you're boastful of the government, you're, you know, you're a proud communist, you're going to get a high score. But if you're a Christian, you're of a different kingdom. So what's that going to make you? It's going to make you not so much a friend of a communist system. I mean, you know that. So if you're a Christian, you're really being numbered. You're being graded. And he told us, this is what really blew me away. They've got now facial recognition technology where you can be walking down a crowded street and they have screens, various locations in the cities. And all of a sudden, your, your picture will appear on the screen if you have a low credit score. So that everybody, the thousands of people that are walking around that particular part of the city will see who you are and shun you, avoid you. Because if you are friends or you have a family member that has a low score, your score comes down. Now that's going on in China now. It's not coming. When I first heard that, I thought, this is like Big Brother on steroids. You know, this is, this is like everything they told us about. Then last Sunday, I'm going to get into the Word, but just kind of bear with me. We're getting ready to go home. This man... He's, he's, he's visiting here. You know, a lot of people come to the gathering that live hours away. And we don't see them all the time. It's just too far to travel. But they come from time to time. This guy lives up on Beach Mountain. He came over. He said, you know, i got to tell you something. You ever, have you ever read the terms and conditions when you sign up for a new website or you, sign, you know, for a, an app or whatever it is? You know, you go on. You know these terms and conditions that if you read them, it would take you a month most of us don't have a month to sit down and read the terms and conditions. So we just, what do we do? We just check them off. Yeah, I've read them. I'm all in agreement. He said, I read them. He said, and what they tell you, what they ask you, the ones that he's read, he said, they ask you for permission to share all of your information and to change your information if they want to change it, to make you say and believe anything they want to make you say and believe. And all this stuff is happening on our watch. So I would say that the times that have come, have come. Now we have a little reprieve in America. Because we have some people that are in a charge that, that have a vision. And they're, they're seeking God and we're praying desperately. But I'm telling you, eventually things could change. But you know what's really amazing in China? You know what else is going on that Eugene told us? How many people are coming to the Lord? 28,000, is that what he said? 28,000 a day. He could have, you know, slighted that by 20,000. And to me, it would have been amazing, 28,000 people a day. But uh, 8,000 would have been amazing, but 28,000. Now, here's another. I'm going to ask you, this is a test, okay? How many of you read the book I challenge you to read? One, two, three, four, five... 
Hey, that's not a good, that's not a good number. We don't grade on the, what do they call that curve system? You know, anyway, you can still read it. You still have time. You're not disqualified. But I want this man that really speaks into my life. He's a watchman, 80 something years old. He spoke, he told me the city of New Orleans was going to be flooded way before it got flooded. She told Shirley and I and some others where that were at this meeting. And uh, Dan is now in his 80 years, and he calls me from time to time, tells me things that God's chosen. And he challenged me to read this book by Bob Mumford. Now, you can still read it, because there's a lot of good stuff in it. But you can go to lifechangers.org and uh, download PDF for free. How many of you like for free? I mean, I don't mind paying, but like somebody said, if it's for free, it's for free. You know, I'm just going to take advantage of that. It's okay. No big deal. How many of you know it's no big deal? It's okay. You can pitch in if you want. But if they offer it for free, then that's good. But in some of the points, you should do that. Oh, what's the name of the book? It's called Protected and Unprotected. A proceeding word. I'm going to challenge you guys. Read the book. It takes you about 30 minutes. It's very short. Here's some of the points, and then we're going to get back to the word. But he's, he's speaking of the protected. These are those who are free from the fears of the unknown, of the fear of the future. Their lives are firmly planted on the Word of God, on the solid foundation, regardless of what's going on. They are, as we spoke of earlier, the sons of Issachar. They're discerning, they're awake, they know what's happening, and they've dug in for the long haul. How many of you would say that's where you are right now? You're, you're dug in. You're not going to fall away. Nothing's going to talk you out of following your Savior. Nothing's going to happen. They couldn't do anything to you to make you deny Him. Because you may have an opportunity one day to do that. And then he talked about the unprotected. These are those who've never had their minds renewed. They go to churches, you know, every Sunday. They hear the word preached. And then they leave and they forget everything they've heard. And they're forgetful hearers. They're not doers of the word. And what does the Lord say, James, about doers or those who are not doers? They're deceived. They're not rooted on solid foundation. So the winds of the world and change come their way, and they go whichever way the wind blows. And these are the unprotected. And, um, and then he, he went on, he said that most American believers understand and embrace Christ's coming, but they don't understand that he's already reigning. He's reigning right now. How many of you know he's coming again? But how many of you know he's reigning right now? He's king. He rules. His kingdom is coming, but his kingdom has come. Where is it? It's right here. It's inside of us. Now it's going to get out of us and reign and rule. We're going to see all this. But then the next thing he said, following every, and these are just some of the summary points. You can go read the book. Following every season of an outpouring of the Spirit comes a time of persecution, which separates those whose lives are built on the kingdom from those whose lives are built on the world. How many of you know the world is quickly passing away? The lust of the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is all about to pass away. But those who built their lives on the rock, the solid foundation, revelation of Jesus, they will endure everything that comes. They will stand. Then he said, the Holy Spirit outpouring is preparation for the demands of life and the changes that come suddenly. And then he gave this illustration 
that Bob Mumford, now Bob Mumford, he's probably in his 90s today, but he was a part of the great revival that was going on in Cuba many, many years ago. And this was before Castro's, before communism came into Cuba. And he said, you know, the, there were many healings, salvations. They rented the stadium in downtown Havana, Cuba. People were flocking to the Lord. It was amazing. Glory had visited Cuba. And then some prophet had to show up and said, thus saith the Lord, the streets are going to be filled with the blood of your sons and your daughters. And they didn't know what to do with that. It would be like us. Somebody walk in and say that to us. We wouldn't know exactly what to do with it. And they didn't know, but they listened. They didn't despise prophecy, but they said, God, how is this? We're having revival. There's a great move of God on the island all over the nation. And then right after that, Castro's troops came out of the mountains, and there was a great slaughter in the streets of Havana and throughout Cuba. And they lived through it. And this is what he's talking about in this book, that change can come suddenly, all of a sudden, overnight. But if your life is built on the solid foundation, you'll be able to stand when the shaking comes. How I many of you know that? That's the kind of believer we're after in this place. We don't want people that are just tossed around by every wind of doctrine, because there are a lot of winds of doctrines blowing across the land right now. How I many of you know that? You can take your pick. Whatever you want... If you want your ears tickled, you can find you a doctrine out there somewhere that'll tickle your ears. You know what I'm talking about. And Adeline has to go. It's very important. It's time to eat. So you may eat away, Adeline, and have lunch, and we'll join you later. I would say save me some, but that wouldn't work. <clears throat> that, would, that would be ridiculous. So anyway, you guys with me, everybody with me, you got to pay attention. I don't know how I'm delivering all this, but this is not just some, we're not about being impressing people. The impressors are about to leave the stage. I'm telling you, we don't need to be impressed. We need to hear. You know, the, the book of Revelation, the message to the seven churches, what's one of the main things that was spoken in those messages? He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Not what somebody has to say, but what the Spirit is saying. And you've got to have ears to hear. That means you can have these kind of ears and not hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You can have ears that get tickled, and you want to know what makes you feel good. Well, let me go on. I've got to get these points so we can get back to the Word, and, and then we'll just breeze through this. But I don't want to breeze through too quickly because you've got to have it in your heart. You don't want to get the word up here and then forget it. You got to get the word in here, the revelation. You know, there's information, then there's revelation, right? And then it shouldn't stop there. Some people get real excited. Wow, I had a great revelation. You know what God showed me? Big deal. What did you do about it? There has to be application. So information, revelation, application. You walk it out. His word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. His word helps us see where we are and helps us get to where we're to go. We follow after him. We're led by the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. And you know that. So he went on, he said, uh, we must not only proclaim salvation, but proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. And that's, we want to be faithful in that. 
Jesus said that's the last message before the end comes. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. You know what the word witness means? Martyrdom. That's the next point. Martyrdom will increase greatly. And if you were here last week, it is amazing the number of Christians that are being killed for their faith around the world. And I know the American church says, oh, that will never come our way. We're exempt from all of that. Somehow God exempted us. Well, we will have to see. And then he said, of the increase of the kingdom and of his government, there will be no end regardless. How many of you know that? There's no stopping the kingdom of God. I don't care what men do. The kingdom of God will press on. The peace of God will rule. The government of God. And then Paul said that there are some. He, this is in the book. Now, this, you should read the book after this. You can read it in 30 minutes. But Paul said some today are enemies of the cross. And he wasn't speaking about unbelievers. He's talking about believers who present a message but do not demand the demands of taking up the cross. Jesus said, if you're going to follow after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. It's not about becoming religious or learning a few things about the Bible. It's about taking up your cross, denying yourself, following him as Lord of your life. How many of you know that? And that's going to be preached again across the land he said also God's purposes are unstoppable. And so the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. And then the last thing, God's purpose is to shake everything that can be shaken. And that's why there's going to be moral corruption, secret laws, economic upheaval, political agendas, advanced technology that's going to make us feel awful uncomfortable in this hour. You're going to feel unwelcome. If they put those screens up in America and you see your picture, you know, everybody knows who you are. That'll t I'm telling you, that'll divide right there, the sheep from the goat. There'll be a lot of people that'll say, I never knew him. I never knew him. But there'll be others that say, I know him and I don't care what you do. I know him. And that's why, you know the scripture, Jesus, now this is Jesus. I don't care what people say. He said, narrow is the way. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many go that way. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few that find it. What did he say? Few. Who said that? It's in the Scripture. Jesus said, you teach them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We've made it, the door, much, much wider than it really is. So now let's go back to Psalm 11. Okay, you guys, everybody in the same page. All right, Psalm 11. You know, when God shows you things like this, it's amazing to me. You know, I just look at the scriptures. I'm so thankful the word comes alive. How many of you are thankful? We're not, it's not some dead history book. Now, it is a history book. It's his story to us, history. And from cover to cover, but it comes alive. And man shall not live by bread alone. Something else Jesus said, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So that's the word that comes alive that's proceeding, the now word. I mean, this is the foundation of all that he's saying. Everything must be measured by the, the word. But he's speaking today. My sheep are not just those that heard my voice, 
My sheep are those that do what? They hear my voice. And nothing, you know, will cause them to fall away and such. And he talked all much about that. Okay. Psalm 11. Now, we already read that, but look in verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And so that's a good question for us. What can we do when the foundations are destroyed? How many of you think that would be a good question to answer? Because what does it mean? Foundations. It means the political or the moral support or foundations of a nation, a society, or an individual. When, the, when morality is being shaken, when marriage is being shaken, when everything is being shaken of what we see lined out and easily defined in the Scripture. It's the foundation. The word destroyed means to pull down, pull in pieces, break, beat down, overthrow, or ruin. Right now, how many of you know that there are many forces seeking to ruin, break down, pull down the moral and the political foundation of nations all over the earth, not just America? I thank God for the recent victories and answers to prayer. Did you know, this blew me away, that right after the Mueller report, the next day was Purim. Purim reminds us of how just what the enemy had planned, just the opposite occurred. Now we got to keep praying because the spirit of Haman is still there. What happened to Haman? He got hung on his own gallows. And that's our prayer. You got to pray those kind of things. Say, well, that's a real serious kind of prayer. Well, it's, it's in the Word. But I just thought that was amazing to me. Purim, the very next day. But we got to still pray. Now, Psalm 11 gives us the answer to that. Okay, if the foundations are destroyed. And some people are saying, well, look, I, had, I don't have time to worry about the nation. My own life foundations are upside down. You know, you don't know what's going on inside of me. You guys carry on the battles for America. Man, I'm just trying to survive day to day. But this Word speaks to you too. Because your foundations are important in His sight. And things are being shaken. And if you right now are just cruise sailing through life, hang on. There are storms on the way. I mean, if you know that. Storms come. Jesus said these things are going to happen. But those that build their life on the foundation. So the first thing we saw, we asked, and this is what we talked about last week. What do you do? What do you do when the foundations are shaken? Number one is found in verse one. What does it say? In the Lord, I put my trust. That was the whole point from uh, two weeks ago. And then we went over some things I'll just briefly review because it won't take too long to go through the rest. We'll come back at all of these points and build on them later on. Is that okay? Because we got to build our lives on this. This is the Word. The Word is eternal. So number one, what do we place our trust in today that is not the Lord? Well, first of all, people trust in riches. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like the foliage. I love this kind of year, don't you? When the greenery, the foliage, things are coming out. That ought to be a sign to you. If you trust in God, you're going to flourish like the foliage. Job 31. If I've made gold my hope or said to find gold, you are my confidence. If I rejoice because my wealth was great and because my hand has gained much, he goes on and talks about what they gain. This would be an iniquity deserving of judgment. For I will have denied God who is above. 
So those who put their trust in riches are actually those who deny God above. That's what the scripture says. And then you remember 1 Timothy chapter 6. For the love of money is what? It's the root of all evil. They told us, though that really means the roots of all kinds of evil. But when you start finding out stuff that's going on really in the world behind the scenes, you, you tend to believe the way they first taught us the imp- interpretation of that verse. No, the love of money is the root of all evil because it's all greed and pursuit of ungodly gain. But it says, for some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Say many sorrows. That's the result of those that seek after riches. And then secondly, you can place your trust in your own understanding. Now that'll get you in trouble. How many of you know that? If you try to understand and figure everything out, you're in for some great trouble. Because it's not about you trying to figure it all out. If you can figure it out, it's probably not God. God is bigger than our figuring out. And you've got scripture to go to, you can stand on. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Well, that was a quick meal. She didn't much yet. Oh, no, that wasn't the meal coming in. That was a meal coming out. Yeah, okay, I, that was the other. You know, you've got to get things straight, Grandpa. If you're going to be a good Grandpa, you've got to get it straight. You've got to know what's next. But anyway, what's the scripture? You know it. If there's something you don't understand going on in your life, what do you do? Panic. No. What do you do? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths or make your path straight, depending on the translation that you choose. I like either one of them. You trust the Lord. Now, how many of you guys know that by heart? You know, you better, that's another assignment. Learn that scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You're probably going to quote it a couple million times between now and the time that you go to heaven. I'm just telling you. Proverbs 3, 5. And then another thing you can trust and mess up. And this is what really got my attention. I had never seen this before. Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts his own heart is a fool. Have you ever had somebody say, hey, just follow your heart? You know, I don't know what to do. Well, follow your heart. That's foolish. You could become a fool. You don't trust your heart. What did Jeremiah say about the heart? He said the heart is deceitful. It's wicked, incurably sick. You don't trust the heart. You trust God's Word. Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. You trust the Word. The Spirit always is in agreement with the Word of God. And so there'll be times when you'll see something in the Word. Now, this is a challenge for you guys. Now, we talked about this, but we got to drill it in. There'll be times that you'll see something in the Word, and you'll see this is sin. You see it plain as day. But you won't feel like it's sin. You'll feel like, man, this feels so good. It feels so right. Everybody's doing it. What are you going to have to do? You're going to have to choose the Word of God, Jesus, or your own heart, which will lead you astray. And the proverb says, he that trusts in his own heart is a fool. And then we talked about Isaiah 30 and uh, how, what will end in disaster if you trust in ill-gotten gain. And I'm not going to go back into that. But it, talks, it talked about how 
anything you gain through your own manipulation or your own conniving. You know, in the business world, you step on whoever you have to step on to get to the top, for example. Or in the political world, you count the votes. And then you have the right people in place. If you don't win, you just count them again. Then if you don't win, you just count them again and add a few thousand that you found at McDonald's. You know, you do things like that until you win. And then if you lose, you claim you've been cheated. The whole time, so that people will think you were cheated, so they'll vote for you next time. Or in ministry, if you gain a position of ministry through your own doings, your own conniving, it's not going to profit you at all. Dad, you know, we talked about that, and right after we went home, and uh, Haley and Dylan, were, they were doing something really spiritual. They were watching Andy Griffith. <laughs> and Haley said, Pastor David, you won't believe the title of today's Andy Griffith. It was Opie's Ill-Gotten Game. I, said, I think I saw that way back then. I thought I remembered that. But I, we just felt like it confirmed. Listen, anything gained that God didn't give you, you don't want it anyway. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. If you just live on what He gives you, you're going to be awfully blessed throughout this life. You don't have to do anything where it's a little underhanded, when no one's watching. Here's a scripture. It says, treasures of wickedness profit nothing. Proverbs 10, too. But righteousness, moral and spiritual integrity, honesty, honor, and justice in every area and relationship delivers from death. And then I got to get to the scripture when we trust in our own ability. Remember, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. But what are we going to trust in? The name of the Lord our God. Our hope is not in some army. Our hope is in the army of heaven that's at our disposal. I'm telling you, I don't know all that's going to happen, obviously. But he's going to open our eyes. You may be going through something right now. I pray this for you right now. I pray God will open your eyes so that you'll see the host of heaven. There is more for you than there are against you. Far more for you than against you. And I pray that he does that. And then there'll be disaster when we trust in man. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. And we know that. And then we emphasize how don't believe you're going to get rewarded if you choose to trust in God in this hour. How do I know that? Because the scripture says, think about the Chinese Christians. They're trusting in God. Here's what it says, 1 Timothy 4.10. For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. All right, so let's go back. Psalm 11. Nobody's checked out yet, right? Hang in there, Adeline. I know it's hard. You got a long-winded grandpa preacher. But I got to get through about 15 more minutes and we'll breeze through it. Are you good, baby? She is precious. I'm telling you. They told me it was going to be special being a grandpa. I can't stop looking at her when I'm, she's just amazing. It's the same way with Josh and Emily when they were born. But this is amazing. You guys have a lot to look forward to. Grandkids, I'm telling you, it's, it's a different world. Okay, back to Psalm 11. What's the question we're answering? When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You have a choice. You can panic. Go bury yourself in a cave, hide out from now till Jesus comes. 
You can do stuff like that if you want. But let's see what the Bible says. Okay, in the Lord I put my trust. Number two, number one, look, look what it says. Flee as a bird to your mountain. Flee as a bird to your mountain. Look over in Psalm 55. This is amazing. Psalm 55, verse 3. Now watch, things are really tough for the psalmist, David, in Psalm 55. Because of the voice, verse 3, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they're bringing trouble down upon me, and in wrath they hate me. Verse 4, my heart is pain within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. Now here's what David could do. David could... Just get away from it all. In fact, that's what he said. This was the temptation. Verse 6. So I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would, indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. How many of you know that's really not an option? There are people that say, I'm just going to get away from these troubles. I'm just going to go hide out. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to move to Peru and live in a hut. You know, there are people that have done stuff like that. I'm going to move to Moravian Falls and hide out in the woods where nobody will know my name. I'm not even going to get a post office box. There are people that have done that. But David didn't do that. He, you know, I'd really like to just run away from it all. If I could just get away. You can't get away. How many of you know, if, this, if these really are the end of the days, where are you going to hide? Where are you going to hide? Who are you going to call, Ghostbusters? You know, it ain't going to happen. You've got to be the Ghostbusters. And they're not ghosts. They're demons. That's why Jesus said, cast them out. That's what Jesus said. You just cast them out. He didn't anyway. So what did David do? Look in verse 9. This is amazing stuff to me. He just talked about, man, if I could just get away, I'm about to die here. All this stuff is on my heels, terror, death. Every... Okay, verse 9, here's what he did. He didn't run anywhere. He went to war. Verse 9, destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, their speech, their communication. That's how we've been praying for our president. We've been asking God to destroy the tongues, the communication that's assigned against him. And right now the media is in an uproar. Now they, they've got their second wind and they're going to come forth with even, they're going to double down on their deception. And their rage is sure. But our God is great. Our God is good. But that's what David did. Verse 10, day and night, they go around on its walls. He's talking about his enemies and equity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in the midst. But look in verse 16. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Verse 18, he has redeemed my soul. And he goes on. You can read the rest of that. Verse 23, but you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. But I will trust in you. That's how David prayed. Now, some people are saying, well, that's David. Let me tell you, you better learn how to pray too. Praying through the Psalms is a great way to pray. And uh, so anyway, so what's the point of that? Avoid an escapist mentality. There's a large part of the church in America that's deceived by thinking they're going to get out 
right before what's happening in China happens here. God loves this nation too much. He won't let us go through what China, what Cuba, what Germany, what so many other nations, what France, what so many African nations are going through genocide. No, America's a privileged nation. God loves us more than he loves those nations. I'm telling you, that's a lie out of the pit of hell. That's why Jesus said, you tell them the things I taught. Don't tell them their pet doctrines. You tell them what I said. So they'll remember. So when the time comes, they'll not become offended. And they'll not fall away. Okay, the next thing. You know, I thought Deborah's word, was it three weeks ago when Deborah Ortiz was here? The word was, you are overcomers. Everybody that comes to the gathering, that's your destiny. That's your purpose. Guess what? That's the only ones that are going to make it in the revelation. To those who overcome, I will grant to sit with me. Not those who are being overcome, but those who overcome. And we have an example. Jesus overcame all things. All right, number, number three, verse two. Because of the, let's go back, verse or chapter 11. For look, pay attention, wise up. Open your eyes is what he's saying. Open your eyes. Just read the paper. Look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. In other words, expect persecution. Say expect it. If you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, not the Bible doesn't say you might. The Bible says you will suffer persecution. If you even think about it, I think I'm going to start living righteous. Expect hell to visit your back door. But the difference is God has given heaven inside of you to trounce hell as it comes after you. You are the winner. You're the conqueror. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You got to know the scripture there. Here's a Amazing verse, Psalm 38, 20, David said, They are my adversaries because I follow what is good. They render evil for good. Listen, you got to understand, persecution is not a sign you're going the wrong way. Persecution is a sign you're going the right way. I didn't hear any amens. Persecution is a sign you're going the right way. Especially in this hour. The devil will try to talk you out of all that God's called you into. Expect it. You can run away and hide, but you ain't going to run away and hide. Or you can do what David did. You can rise up, go to war, and stand on the Word of God. And not everybody's going to do that. But there's going to be a remnant. And they're going to shake America one more time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the next thing, the fourth thing in verse 1, here it is. Now here's where we're going to swift. We're going to move through. If the foundations are destroyed in verse 3. Now verse 4. The Lord is holy. So number, one, or number 4, remember God is holy. He's holy. He's holy. He's awesome. He's righteous. Yes, there's unholiness all around us. Get your eyes off of the unholiness. Look on the one who is holy. The Lord is holy. Secondly, he's in his holy temple. Where's his temple? This is not it. Now, this is where we're gathering on a Sunday morning. And we're going to gather. And there's going to be a day people are going to gather from all over. They're going to line up around the wall. 
I'm telling you, it's going to happen. God promised it. But this is not the temple. This is the temple. You got to remember, you are the temple of the holy, the living God. God lives inside of you. If you knew how true that really is, you could overcome the storms of life. Now, I don't care how big the storms are. Almighty God lives inside of me. Oh, man, we got to get that revelation. Okay, he's holy. He's in his holy temple. And the Lord's throne is in heaven. That means, basically, he's sovereign. He's so say he's sovereign. Now, some people, they, they say, well, you know, whatever happens, well, God's in control. That's not exactly a truthful statement. The, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So you don't just let the enemy steal, kill, and destroy and say, well, God's in control. You rise up, confront the enemy in the name of Jesus, the authority of the Word of God, dressed in the full armor of God. But then ultimately, yes, it is ultimately true, isn't it? That God is sovereign. God's not going to let men dictate the rules of His sovereignty. He's sovereign, but He's also released us and given us His Holy Spirit to do the will of God. And that's why He said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into heaven, but those who do the will of their Father in heaven. Amen. You guys still with me? Two more things. Verse 4, God sees. Say, God sees. His eyes behold. God sees. You know, there's some people think I can get away with anything because God's not paying attention. Can I tell you, I don't care where you go, God's paying attention. God sees. God sees it all. And the Scripture talks about how that if He sees, guess what? then He's going to allow us to see what He sees. I'm telling you, He'll show us things to come. The Holy Spirit will guide us through the things we can't see because our trust will be so rooted in Him who does see that will not be shaken. God, I can't see. Well, guess what? I can. And I'm the one who's leading you. Are you on your own? Are you letting me lead your steps every step of the way? And then not only is the God who sees... But he's the God who tests the sons of men. Verse 4. His eyes behold, the eyelids, his eyelids test the sons of men. God is testing us. Do you know everything God created, he tests? How many of you know that's true? You say you have faith. God will put it to the test. You say you love. God will allow things to come to test whether you love. That's why you got to have love built on God. When you get married, what happens? The things of life come. And if your love is only built on emotion, you're going to think, well, I must not have loved this person very much. You know what I'm talking about. But if your love is built on the love of God, it's deeper than emotion. I am amazed how I love Shirley more today than I loved her on the day we got married. It's amazing to me. Somebody told me marriage is like, you know, getting in a hot tub, taking a bath. When you get in, it's first it's hot, then later on it cools down, it gets colder and colder. That's a lie. That's a lie. It was not true. It gets hotter and hotter. I'm telling you, it really does. Anyway, I better go on here. But you know, listen, the tests that God allows us to go through, they're not really so much so that we pass or fail. 
The test that God allows us to go through is for we will find Him faithful and that He will never fail. How many of you have seen that? It's really a test for God to show His faithfulness to you. God will never fail. How many of you, He's never failed you. But it is a test for the righteous, but it's just judgment for the wicked. Now here's a scripture. Numbers 32, Moses caused the people that God had delivered from their enemies to live blameless before the Lord. Remember that. You live blameless, live their lives as those who truly trusted in the Lord. And then he says something in Numbers 32, verse 23. He says, but if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sins will find you out. You remember that? I heard Billy Graham, I read where he shared this story of a man that went in a department store in Rochester, New York, and he stole an alarm clock, put it under his jacket, walked out, and as he walked out the door, the alarm went off, and they apprehended him. I'm telling you, be sure your sins will find you out. And that's what's happening right now in America. Things are being uncovered. Jesus said, there's nothing that is hidden that will not be revealed. Nothing covered that will not be made known. And so he said, be sure. Be ready. Live for him. And then the next two more things. Be righteous. Go back to verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Number one, or really this is number five, I think, or six. Be righteous. Say, be righteous. Be righteous. Be one of the righteous ones. You can because he became sin who knew no sin that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then not only be righteous, you can do righteousness. Say do righteousness. Just do the righteous acts of the saints. And we've spoken about that before. In the book of Revelation, it's going to be made known. These were done by the righteous acts of the saints. And then the last thing, verse 7 of that chapter. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. And that really is translated, the upright behold his countenance. So what do you do when foundations are shaken? You behold the countenance of the Lord. You set your sights on God, and you don't take your gaze off of him. Everything around you can be in turmoil, but if your focus is on God above, you'll come out and you'll find that God is faithful. Amen? How many of you guys got that? Did you get it all? I'm going to pray God, drill it in your heart. You got to have it in your heart. You, you guys should start looking at Psalm 12 and 13 and 14 and come to me and say, this is amazing what I'm seeing in the Word. This is incredible how it fits with the times. Why is God showing me these things? Why? Because you're His child. There's no professionals. We're the body of Christ. There's only one head in this thing. His name is Jesus. Jesus. You can walk as close to him as you really want to walk. He's made a way through the shed blood of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room, those that are watching by the web stream, I pray, God, that you would, Lord, just let the word that's been spoken, Lord, sink deep in their heart. God, I thank you that your word does not return void. It accomplishes the purpose for which you send it. And so, Lord, thank you for giving me the grace to deliver it. And now, God, I ask, let it bear much fruit. Say, much fruit. 
100-fold fruit. Lord, we pray for a harvest. Lord, I thank you that you're raising up saints in the earth that will not be shaken when everything is shaken around them. And Lord, they may wonder what's going on, but they'll trust not in their own understanding. In all of their ways, they will acknowledge you. And God, I just pray right now that you release that kind of faith in every man, every woman, every son, every daughter. God, every grandfather, grandmother. Lord, every brother and sister. Lord, those that are watching. Lord, I pray for the nations of the earth. Many nations are undergoing great intense shaking, great intense time of suffering. God, we pray, release the power and the truth of Psalm 11. That what can the righteous do when the foundations are shaken? Lord, we pray that these truths will be loosed throughout the earth. And God, you would raise up a mighty army of God that will stand firm and confident, sure of their hope, with lives built on eternity. Lord, we pray that for our kids. We pray that. For our schools, God, we pray that for our nation. We pray that for the churches of America, God. That, Lord, out of, out of America will rise a mighty, a mighty, forceful, faithful believers in Jesus, we pray. God, do it, Lord. Do it. Lord, we pray no more delay. God, we thank you. We're, we're going to live not just asking for revival and for an awakening. We are those who believe that awakening has already begun in our land. And we thank you for the many signs that point to the truth of that, Lord. And God, we bless your name. We bless your name. Lord, there are people today going through stuff. They can't relate with what we've talked about, but they, they know in their own life there are things that are crumbling, things that are being shaken. Lord, they don't know if they're going to make it through the end of the week. God, I ask you to touch them this morning. Touch them, Lord. Lord, I pray there are people going through sickness and they're, they're crying out to heaven. Hey, if that's you this morning, if, if you need God's touch in your life, you're going through something, and you need a touch from heaven, just stand where you are. We're going to pray. There's going to be power release. God bless you. Stand. There may be a sickness, maybe something you're going through financially. There's just something. You need a big God right now to come through for you. And we're just going to pray. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, reach up to heaven. Lord, we pray. You're not a God that just hears our prayers, but you're a God that hears and answers. And we thank you, Lord, that you bear witness with your word, with signs following. You said these signs follow them that believe. And so, God, we pray right now for healing. We pray for the mercies of heaven. We break every power of sickness, every disease. We break every assault of the enemy. We cast out every spirit of darkness. And God, we pray for breakthroughs in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, we thank you we have a big God. Say, I have a big God. And he's bigger than whatever I'm facing. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Just stay standing. Anybody in this room this morning, you say, I don't know if I even know Jesus. I need a Savior. Would you pray for me? Just uh, stand right now. We're going to pray. Anybody, you stand. There's other people standing with you. And there are people watching. We're faithful to do this because I know people get saved. So let's just pray. If you want to know Jesus this morning, just pray this after me. But you mean it in your heart. It's not just a prayer after someone, right? You got to mean it. You got to cry out. Just say, dear God. I need you, and I believe in you, and I believe in Jesus, that he lived, that he died, and that he rose from the dead. And I confess that I'm a sinner, 
And I thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. And I repent of all my sin. And I turn my life over to you. From this moment on, I will follow you, Jesus. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with fire. Fill me with the power of heaven so that I could live for you in this hour. And I thank you, Jesus, that as I call upon you, you are faithful to hear my prayer. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, amen and amen.